to the Heads Up Podcast. I am Jason Rogers, the head of school of Rundle College Society, and I'll be your host for this season's episode. With each new podcast, we hope to explore interesting topics relating to Rundle College student, faculty, and parent life. This season, you'll hear interviews with faculty, parents, alumni, students, and educational experts. Each episode will aim to provide an insight and context to the happenings in and around our community. Thank you for joining me and everybody in the Rumble College Society on this journey, and I hope you enjoy this Rumble experience. Welcome back to the Heads Up Podcast. On today's episode, I am thrilled to have two of our high school students in my office, and we're talking today about speech and debate. Uh, the reason we're bringing forward speech and debate is it's an opportunity to explore our pathways to success here at Rundle. So when we think about our pathways to success, you can imagine a chart with just three boxes on it. The first box is character, the second box is academics, and the third box is co-curricular. Now inside that third box of co-curricular, we've got a variety of things. We've got everything from you know dozens of athletics teams to multiple fine arts opportunities to several intellectual pursuits and it's my hope that through our podcast here we're able to highlight many of those throughout the year and I'm thrilled today to be starting with the intellectual pursuits those of speech and debate and if you don't know already uh, Sigmund and Megan are the most decorated speech and debate you know participants in the history of Rundle College and they are only in grade 10. I think as we get into the interview, you're going to see why they have such an appetite for the, for the discipline and why they're so talented in this space, and I guess why we're so proud of them. Um, so without any further ado, I think I'm going to jump right into the Rundle 5. Uh, Sig and Megan, welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> All right, let's start with the first question, Megan. I think you're going to jump in on this one, but uh, what's the most exciting thing about speech and debate for you? Yeah, definitely for me, it's definitely being able to go against definitely really talented teams and speaking about topics that you're really passionate about. Or even if they're topics maybe you don't have a lot of knowledge on, it's definitely a great learning opportunity, which is what I really love about speech and debate and being able to grow your knowledge and apply it into other areas, whether it be, say, case competitions or using those tools and speech and debate and apply them even into the classroom. So I find that kind of really exciting to be able to kind of expand my knowledge and go against really talented teams who are also very talented as well and they can help us bring up our game also. And I think that in terms of the debate itself, I find what's really exciting is being able to kind of almost stump your opponent or if they have a really hard argument, being able to clash against it really well Mm -hmm. and be able on your side to make a really cohesive argument. Excellent. I think... uh you bring up a couple things there. First of all, who do you compete against? Yes, yeah, so we compete against uh, schools and teams from schools across the city in Calgary itself at the regional level. And usually those are a variety of schools, the private, public schools, and usually the charter schools also. They all compete in this kind of the what's called the Alberta Debate and Speech Association. Gotcha. So there are many tournaments that go on throughout the year. Excellent. And you said uh, in the opening part of your response that you get involved in case competitions as well. Yes. Um, for the listeners out there who don't know what a case competition is, can you just 
fill them in on, on what a case competition would be? Yeah, for sure. So a case competition is basically a, a meeting in which a bunch of students can come together and they're put into teams. And basically the purpose of it is to apply usually, usually public speaking skills and using knowledge and business and be able to make a cohesive solution usually to a certain problem. So recently, Sigmund and I attended a case competition in which we were dealing with the problem of connectedness. And mm-hmm. we had to be able to find a way for refugees and people who are coming into Canada to be able to connect and find a way to be successfully brought into Canada, whether they feel so welcomely socially in society or through economically in their jobs. So basically we had to come up through a solution of that and we had to create a PowerPoint presentation. So of course, inevitably, inevitably through that, we were able to use our public speaking skills to present our ideas to a panel of judges. Right on. What's the, what's the hardest part of a case competition for you, Megan? Um, definitely it's getting that idea. When we first were given this idea of we had to find a way to bring refugees into Canada successfully to feel good about where they were and have that, that dissolve that issue of connectedness. Yeah. Definitely it was working with our group, especially because we were put with people that we had never met before. I mean, I knew Sigmund, but there were some people in our group that we had never met before. Yeah. So it was definitely working together and trying to find a at least a solution before we even got into the logistics of it afterwards. No doubt. That does sound challenging to get started. But once yeah, ideas sure. start to flow, I'm sure yeah. sure you had it. Hey, and oh, h- yeah. how did you guys make out in, in that case competition? Yes, we were we were very lucky. Yes, we were able to successfully win that competition. I definitely wow, think cool. it's yes, I think it's definitely because we were we were very hardworking and we had some great teammates and we think that we would just really work together. I think we were really fortunate to work with a really great group of kids, definitely. So yeah. Super. Well thank you for that. Okay, on to the second question now. I'm gonna bounce it over to you, Sigmund. Um, I'm just curious, what's the most challenging prompt you've ever been given? So I don't really think the most challenging prompt we've ever had is because of the prompt itself. I think it's more because of the age at which we received this prompt. Uh, when we were competing at provincials in grade seven, uh, we had a very hard prompt for our age. And this was mostly due to the fact that we didn't have a lot of background knowledge around the idea of this topic. Right. So we didn't really have a lot of insight onto what we could use as pillars or ideas to present our case to uh, the judges. So therefore we found it really hard. And this topic was uh, arguing on both sides. We were on the opposite side of private military forces. Wow. So yeah. governments being able to use private military forces uh, in order to uh, complete an obligation or a duty or a goal using this. So private military forces, that was probably our hardest topic. And I'd say it's really because we didn't have any insight about that. And a lot of it comes down to when we're doing impromptu debate, a lot of the time you can we can incorporate things from our studies, even like sciences and earth science and chemistry into these topics. But this one, we had no knowledge of whatsoever. We didn't have like a history background, anything like it. And we were kind of just pushed into the dark with this topic and it was probably our hardest one to think of. I, I mean, to that end, Sigmund, what do you do when you don't know? Like if they ask you a question that you don't know very much about, what's your strategy? You know, there's going to be a lot of times, and I think this is really one of the things of why speech and debate is so important. You're not always going to have the answer to everything in life as much as you'd like to. So I think you just have to go with your gut and do the exact best thing that you can do. So in that case, we just prepped our best. We just tried to come up with the most diverse pillars and maybe 
not the strongest pillars, but the most unique that we could think of. And at that time, really the only chance you have of winning the round is you just have to convince the judges that maybe your points aren't the best, but you can deliver them as if they're the best. So that comes down to the speech side of things. If you can convince the judges that your points are the best in the world, even if the points aren't that good, that's how you're going to win the round. And it comes down more to the speaking style right and like the gestures and everything like that, more than the actual refuting and clashing because we didn't really have the information in order to do that. Wow. Okay. That's really, really interesting. So like the persuasive part really comes into yeah. any of these speech and debate as well. Um, Megan, did you have any, any thoughts on, on difficult prompts or any anything you've been stumped on? Yeah, for sure. I I mean, I definitely agree with Sigmund that this house supporting the use of private military forces, especially just being new to debate, especially and just getting to getting new to the idea of debate itself and being thrown a topic like that especially was very difficult for us but I think it was a really valuable experience because we were able to learn a lot of things especially from we had very talented opponents and actually that made us better as a whole so I think that of course that more so variants on age and I think that as we got older the prompts became more easier and easier take for example this year we had a recent competition where we competed as to whether or not energy security was a legitimate reason for military action which is slightly similar to the use of private military forces Forces, of mm -hmm. course, with some variations in terms of energy security. But as we got older and we gained more experience, the topic became a lot more easier, especially because it was a prepared topic. So yeah. we were able to prepare in advance. Oh, that's cool. Whereas the private military forces was also what they call an impromptu topic in which you have to prepare it on the day. So we didn't even know in advance. So yeah. basically we think that Usually in terms of, well, for me at least, I find that the impromptu topics are definitely more difficult than the prepared ones, especially if they're on a more global scale, because then you would have more time to prepare naturally if it was prepared. Cool. And I, I love the ongoing pursuit of knowledge that it creates. You know, you're, you're kind of thrust into these new areas that you have to learn about. And even afterwards, I'm sure you're thinking about private military more than you would have before, you know, yes, for, for the sure. past number of years. That's pretty cool. Sigmund? I would just also like to say, I think around this prompt, they're really good because you're not always going to have these easy prompts, even in like life. Mm. And it's a really good thing if you get it to go against harder teams and if you get these harder prompts, because then they make you think and they make you a better debater. If you go against really easy teams all the time, you're not going to get any better. But if you go against people that are constantly winning and always getting first and second, then you're going to become better as a team. And that's really, really important. Right on. No, I totally agree. And I think that transfers from the academics to the arts to athletics. I think Definitely. if you're always competing against <laughs> the best, then you're going to be the best you can be too. Okay, coming back to you, Megan, now. I'm just curious. Uh, I've never been in a speech and debate competition in my life, and I'm sure lots of our listeners are in the same boat. Um, I'm curious as to how, how do you prepare yourself for one of these competitions? Yeah, that's definitely a great question. So there are kind of three ways in which we prepare for a competition. So there's kind of that long-term aspect, more so in the short term, and then, of course, at the competition itself. So firstly, talking about kind of that long-term aspect. So usually over the summer, we have done a camp through Debate Camp Canada in which we have been coached through former Team Canada members or former people who are very experienced in the field of debate and speech. And it's through this these camps that we've de developed a lot of skills on public speaking, debate, the art of clashing, how to ask good questions against your opponents, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the long-term more aspect of preparing with these people and being able, being able to apply that further into the season later on. 
Secondly, in the short term, usually we meet with our coach, Mr. Tomasic, and we can practice, or ourselves, we can just practice individually if it is a prepared topic. And usually, we, if we meet with Mr. Tomasic, usually we prepare some topics or we're given an impromptu topic, and yeah. then we just do a little debate after school, and then we can practice that and then be able to apply it into the competition. Cool. And then the third kind of aspect is at the competition itself. So if it is an impromptu topic where we are given the topic and then we have 15 minutes to prepare, usually in that 15 minutes, we spend the first couple of minutes just brainstorming ideas between the two of us. So yep. usually we come up with our three ideas and then depending on who's speaking first, usually this first speaker takes two points and then the second speaker takes kind of the third biggest point. Yep. So we'll brainstorm that and then afterwards we'll work on our pillars individually. So we'll kind of look at more of the social, political, economic rights, moral reasons as to why this or this shouldn't be true or valid. And then if there is time, usually we brainstorm what our opponents will say. Yep. And then we kind of consider what, how would we how we would, would respond to that. Yes. And definitely because there is an element of debate known as a point of information or it's called a POI, which is basically during your speech, they can stand up and they can give you a question and you have to be able to answer that question. So oftentimes if it is not a prepared debate, you have to be able to think on your feet especially. So that's really the kind of three ways in which we prepare for a competition. Very cool. It sounds like you guys have it very organized. There's no, no doubt in my mind as to why you're so successful in your competitions as you move through it. Um, I guess for our listeners too, I had a, just a curious kind of question. The first is uh, in speech, I believe there's different types of competition. Mm-hmm. Can you discuss briefly either one of you just uh, what are those types of speech competition that that you might end up in? Yeah, definitely. That's kind of the big difference between speech and debate because in debate, you just have kind of those two kinds, the impromptu and then the prepared. But in speech, there's so many different avenues in which you can compete. But at the competition, you can only pick one. So for example, there's many different categories. So impromptu speaking as a whole, that's what Sigmund does in which you're given a prompt and you have a couple minutes to make a speech about it. And then you give, you deliver the speech. Another type are prose and poetry in which you have to give a piece of poetry and recite it in front of a panel of judges. Another one is prose, which is when, you, of course, you read a scene from, say, a book or a screenplay. And then there are also two different types that are not as common, but there's also solo and duet acting, in which people can go up and deliver a monologue or a miniature skit between two people. And the another type is called original oratory, and that's my category, yeah. in which... You prepare a speech in advance, and then you deliver it over a panel of judges as well. And I guess kind of the reason why I picked that one is because I really do, I love I love the art of speaking, and I love picking topics that I'm passionate about, and yep. having that variable of being able to pick what I want to pick, I can, that opens me up to so many possibilities of what I can speak about. I mean, I've spoken about my love of music to superbugs or the yeah. issues of those in the medical world. So there's definitely that huge variety of what you can what you can pick and what you can talk about. So that's really what I love about original oratory. So And yeah. Sig, I mean, I come back to you. It sounds like you do the impromptu yeah. piece. Um, what is it about that that you love? I think it's a lot about that is because public speaking is basically everywhere in our lives. It's inevitable and you're going to have to talk about 
things that you maybe don't necessarily love or you don't have a passion for but if you can get used to that earlier when your brain's still developing it's going to be a lot easier than when you're older so i find it's really uh beneficial to or for me at least to be able to kind of almost just wing it go up there prepare a speech in five minutes and just give it to the judges and try and outspeak my competitors by thinking about different points or different aspects of the topic than maybe my competitors would right on i feel like if i was a talented uh debate moderator i'd be able to have a debate versus impromptu versus prepared speech here between the two of you it would probably be pretty pretty lively yeah yeah (laughs) okay okay we'll move on to the next question already on to question four here um sigmund we'll start with you on this one uh why do you think speech and debate is such an important skill yeah of course so i know i said a lot about this in the last podcast that i was able to do with you um a lot of it is that Really, you can't really escape speech and debate, no matter how much you love it or hate it. It's going to be in your lives. It's going to be everywhere you are. Uh, I know I said this last time. Whatever job or career you're pursuing in life, whatever, if it's law, if it's business, if it's just even being like a cashier or a waiter, you're going to have to talk to people, right? Yes. And no matter the extent of what you want to do in your life, it's such an important skill. And I find as we go on and like technology keeps developing, communication is kind of lost between people. And that's also what we had our case competition on. How can we connect? How can we build this communication? And public speaking is a perfect way because for a lot of people, public speaking is their biggest fear. And because it's their biggest fear, a lot of people find it harder to do that. Mm -hmm. And because people find it harder, we're slowly losing communication with the advancement of technology as it doubles every year. However, you have to public speak in life if you want to make it successful somewhere. And I think the earlier you start when your brain's still developing, that's going to be the most beneficial skill you can have because you're going to have to do it and you just may as well start young. Super. And that's a huge part of the reason why I'm so excited about having a a good speech and debate program here at, at Rundle College and hopefully one that continues to grow. Yeah, definitely. All right, on to question five. Um, You're both really modest, and I'm sure you're probably uncomfortable even answering the question, but I have to ask it, is uh, what do you define as your greatest accomplishment in this area of speech and debate thus far? And we'll start with you, Megan. Go for it. All right, so... I think that our greatest accomplishment um, ultimately will be what we what we think of 20 years from now when we look back at speech and debate. Wow, so cool. 20 years from now, I'm not going to be thinking about the place I got or those things like that. Those things, they don't matter to me. I don't think about those things. What's really valuable is what I've taken from it or what I've learned or the experience. And you meet so many different people and you meet make so many different connections with people. And that's something that I've learned through speech and debate. And it's it's through this extracurricular that I've been able to become more confident in public speaking, be able to apply it to different areas of my life. And ultimately, that's really what I consider my greatest accomplishment. I, I don't really think about kind of how far it's taking me, but more so in terms of ranking. But I'm thinking about how far it's taking me and what I've learned from it more so because it's always a learning experience. I'm still learning new things and I I can't wait to learn more about it and in terms of the debate itself I think that if we compete and if we don't do as well then we have the ability to improve and we can get better yes and this can basically apply to a lot of other areas than not just speech or debate if you say for example maybe somebody doesn't do so well on an exam or maybe they don't play a right note in music or something like that then they can learn and especially through me if you have skills such as through debate and speech you can practice or you can get better or you can learn how to improve and it's through connection and being together with people and learning new things and having that experience that's really what I consider to be my greatest accomplishment and I think Sigmund actually wanted to talk about maybe one of our greatest accomplishments is 
probably being able to because we when we initially started speech and debate we didn't know what was going to happen i mean yeah. we just wanted to go out and we wanted to have some have some fun and learn about really the art of speech and debate totally and, be able to apply that to different aspects of our lives. And I think that definitely was a great successful aspect of it for sure. So for sure, I think one of our greatest accomplishments was probably having the privilege to be able to attend nationals, which we were very humbled to do so. So Wow. Sig, why don't you tell us a little bit about the attending of nationals and what that sure. experience was all about. Just before I want to say that, I totally agree with Megan. <laughs> we came into speech and debate in grade seven, I remember, the first day we walked in. And we didn't come in to win all the medals and do our, uh, just try and clean up. We, we really came in to learn the life skill. And that was kind of our goal, I know, yep. from the beginning, is to gain that skill so that we can use it and apply it in our lives. And I Very think that's cool. really what we've done. Uh, in the terms of competing, uh, yeah, last year we were um, very honored to attend nationals in Vancouver. Uh, where we placed middle of the pack and it was just a really great experience as Megan said the connections we made were really really valuable between different people and just the things that we learned the topics that we learned and how we gained this knowledge from other people and their experience was truly amazing because the competition was so good out there it was really really tough did you guys did you get nervous when you're at nationals um well naturally I mean anybody in a high pressure situation would get a little bit nervous but I mean it was getting to the end of our, it was the last competition of our season. And I think that by the end, there was definitely that natural nerve and instinct that everyone gets before they public speak. But because we were just, we were so happy to, we're so happy Mm -hmm. to have made it that far. And we were just so happy to have been able to do something that we love at such a professional level. We were so grateful to have that opportunity. I think overall that those kind of nerves started to dissipate throughout the competition. And then we realized that, you know, we're here and that we're really grateful to be here. And I think that that applied and that was shown and reflected throughout our speaking. So definitely, I I think, think, I think our nerves were higher at provincials because at provincials we had like the ability to make it to nationals and kind of like the ability to represent Alberta. Right. But once we were at nationals, it didn't really matter how we finished. Right. It was just gaining the experience. That was our first time forever for debate to be out to nationals. So just the privilege of being there and the knowledge that we gained was kind of our goal there. However, we really wanted to do well in provincial so that we could actually qualify for that. So oh, I, I see. That totally, totally makes home. sense. Well, congratulations to both of you. Thank We're you. Ev- everybody at Rundle and our community is extremely proud of your accomplishments. And we really can't wait to see where you go in the future. And I guess more than anything, I'm really proud of your outlook on accomplishments. I think it's really important uh, to look at life through that lens as to, you know, continuing to improve and continue to acquire skills and follow your passions that's uh that's quite admirable admirable all right thanks sig and megan uh for for that part of the podcast absolutely outstanding um and for anybody who's listened to the podcast everything you know that we close each episode with a thing called the rundle rumble which is a quick fire word association game i'm going to say 10 different words and Megan today you get to respond to them with the first thing that comes to mind already all right okay so here we go here comes a rumble rumble first word is St. John's Ravens Court oh yes that word reminds me I used to attend that school actually when I used to live in Winnipeg and that word makes me think of how I was actually there this past year because it was the host of the Western Canadian Independent School Volleyball Championship. Oh, so right on. The gyms there were amazing. The facility is beautiful since they just had it renovated. And yeah, it's a great school that I used to go to. It is sure. a great school. I was just in Winnipeg last month and I got to visit the school as well. And uh, their whole school is awesome. The students were awesome. The teachers, the leadership, oh, really, nice. really great to be out there. So uh, 
yeah, I hope some people from St. John's are, are listening. That'd be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, science. Science. I think of medicine. I think of biology and really my passion for that. And I really love the field of science and medicine and being able to expand into that. Cool. Number three, Mrs. Belt. Mrs. Belt, I think of, yeah, this, our wonderful principal for sure of the senior high who she works so hard and she definitely is so hardworking and I'm very fortunate to have someone like her as a principal. We all, we all truly are very fortunate yes. to have somebody like that working with us. Um, I think she'll appreciate hearing that. Uh, number four, English. English. I think of books, reading comprehensions, definitely all of the aspects that make English both difficult to learn and especially the fun aspects of it, such as reading. Cool. Number five, volleyball. Volleyball. I think of going up for that big hit or working together as a team and to especially come together. I was fortunate to play on the senior varsity volleyball team this year and I had that experience of playing with some high level volleyball with some girls who are going into their 11 and 12 years. So when I think of the word volleyball, I think of people of all grades kind of coming together, especially in that 10 to 12 or in our high school, working together to really be able to use our skills and definitely apply to a variety of tournaments. And you guys had a great season this year, so it was really, really fun to watch you guys move through mm-hmm. it. Uh, number six, debate. Debate. I think of clashing. I think of that intense conversation between kind of two two different sides and that the pros and the cons. That's kind of what comes to my mind when I think of debate. I, I think of kind of that aspect of the intensive competition of trying to outwit your opponent's arguments yeah. and trying to kind of outclash them or trying to become with the most cohesive arguments. Totally, sure. totally. Uh, number seven, be kind. Be kind. So many things come to mind when I think of be kind. Be kind is something that we should all be able to reflect into our lives. I think that doesn't matter what age you are, what you're, what, who you are or anything like that. I think that we all should really be kind to each other. And I think ultimately, if we are kind to each other, then that's going to eliminate a lot of different barriers such as disrespect or not being able to maybe be as nice to people. Or mm-hmm. I think definitely if you're if you be kind, I think of a community of people who come together and they're successful not because of their merit, but because of the way that they treat each other. Cool. That's brilliant. Okay. Uh, number eight, Tomasic. Tomasic. I think of my teacher, Mr. Tomasic, and of course, he's a brilliant coach. I'm so happy to have had him in the past couple of years. He's been so supportive to us, come to every tournament, doesn't matter if it's in Vancouver or at Rundle College, we've had a tournament here. He's been at every tournament. He's helped us coach. He's helped to come to all our tournaments. He's given us advice. So when I think of the word Tomasic, I think of a hardworking person who's very supportive of people. Cool. I think he'll be happy to hear that as well, for sure. Uh, number nine, your future. My future. I think of my future as something that I don't know, yet it's something that I can determine now. As if to say that the things I do now can reflect what I will determine my future later. So when I think of the word future, I think of how I aspire into the fields of science and medicine and applying that into also speech and debate and kind of through my passions, I think that when I think of the word future, I think of sort of my passions of speech and debate or science or volleyball and those things being able to kind of determine my future, especially. Cool. And last but not least, number 10, success. Success. Success is something that I define as somebody who or something or some sort of aspect of person, a person basically being able to pick themselves up from recent adversity and being able to apply that into a greater situation or being able to 
become a better person as a whole or as a result of it. I think that especially when I think of success in terms of speech and debate being the topic of our podcast, Mm -hmm. I think that definitely our success was not determined by our able our ability to place a certain number or losing a certain number. I think that ultimately I think success is defined by what I can do and what Sigmund can do. And I think that ultimately if we're trying our hardest, then we know that that was our hardest. And I think that success is ultimately determined by our merit of hard work and determination. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Sigmund. And thank Thank you, you, Megan, for taking the time this morning. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait to see you in upcoming competitions. Thank you very much. Have a great season, guys. Thank you. Thank you.